Hey guys, so tomorrow is the last day of 2020 and that's just crazy to me. (laughs) It's just crazy to think that 2020 is coming to an end and now we're going into 2021. Um, But honestly, um, usually on New Year's Eve there's lots of parties, lots of stuff going on, but I've kept, like for a while, I keep saying for this New Year's Eve, we need to be in prayer and we just need to like just be in prayer and just be thanking the Lord because millions of people didn't make it to the end of 2020. So many people didn't make it to this point and me and you have been blessed to make it to the end of 2020, honestly, because so many people have died this year. It is so sad and it's just so terrifying but it's just we need to be in prayer and we need to be thanking the lord and thanking him for allowing us to get to the end of 2020 i keep saying that but y'all we take so much for granted we take life for granted so we need to be thanking the lord for letting us get this far and just figuring out um what we can do to serve him better in 2021 but anyway um We're continuing with the book study of Esther. Today we're on chapter 2. And this chapter is pretty interesting. So like before, I'm going to read it all the way through. And then I'm going to go back and break down each verse. Let's get started. Oh, also, make sure you get a Bible. Um, Did I say that? No. Get a Bible so you can follow along and just like jot down notes or look at the Bible on your phone just so you can um, read along. Because I know when I listen to the bible being read sometimes it's easier to understand what's going on when i'm actually following along in the actual book so yeah make sure to get a bible okay verses 1 through 23 says sometime later when king ajuarius's rage had cooled down he remembered vashti what she had done and what was decided against her the king's personal attendant suggested let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king Let the king appoint commissioners in each province of his kingdom so that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem at the fortress of Susa. Put put them under the supervision of Haggai, the king's eunuch, keeper of the women, and give them the required beauty treatments. Then the young woman who pleases the king will become queen instead of Ashti. This suggestion pleased the king, and he did accordingly. In the fortress of Susa, there was a Jewish man named Mordecai, son of Jer, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite. He had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the other captives when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took King Jeconiah of Judah into exile. Mordecai was the legal guardian of his cousin Hadassah, that is Esther, because she had no father or mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was extremely good-looking. When her father and mother died, Mordecai had adopted her as his own daughter. When the king's command and edicts became public knowledge, and when many young women were gathered at the fortress of Susa under Haggai's supervision, Esther was taken to the palace, into the supervision of Haggai, keeper of the women. The young woman pleased him and gained his favor, so that he accelerated the process of the beauty treatments and the special diet that she received. He assigned seven hand-picked female servants to her from the palace and transferred her and her servants to the harem's best quarters. Esther did not reveal her ethnicity or her family background because Mordecai had ordered her not to make them known. Every day, Mordecai took a walk in front of the harem's courtyard to learn how Esther was doing and to see what was happening to her. 
During the year before each young woman's turn to go to King Ajawaris, the harem regulation required her to, re to receive beauty treatments with oil of myrrh for six months and then with perfumes and cosmetics for another six months. When the young woman would go to the king, she was given whatever she requested whatever she requested to take with her from the harem to the palace. She would go in the evening and in the morning she would return to a second harem under the supervision of the king's eunuch. She never went to the king again unless he desired her and summoned her by name. Esther was the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had adopted her as his own daughter. When her turn came to go to the king, she, she did not ask for anything except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, keeper of the women, suggested. Esther gained favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Ajawaris in the palace in the tenth month, the month to Beth, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women. She won more favor and approval from him than did any of the other virgins. He placed the royal crown on her head and made her queen in place of Vashti. The king held a great banquet for all of his officials and staff. It was Esther's banquet. He freed his provinces from tax payments and gave gifts worthy of the king's bounty. When the virgins were gathered a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not revealed her family background or her ethnicity as Mordecai had directed. She obeyed Mordecai's orders as she always had while he raised her. During those days while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance, became infuriated and planned to assassinate the king. When Mordecai learned of the plot, he reported it to Queen Esther and she told the king on Mordecai's behalf. When the report was investigated and verified, both men were hanged on the gallows. This event was recorded in the historical record in the king's presence. Okay, so that's all 23 verses. So now we're going to go back and break them down um, bit by bit. Um, so let's get started. Um, in verse 1, in verses 1 through 4, there were two words that were used that I just want to clarify because um, not lots of people may know what they mean. So one word that was mentioned was the word harem. Um, that was mentioned actually all throughout chapter 2. Harem is um, a group of women who are focused on one man. So the group of virgins who are all focused on the king, harem. Um, a eunuch is a servant or a guard for women or even men sometimes who had their privates removed. So yeah, that's what eunuch is. They servant for a, they're a servant or a guard for women or sometimes men who had their private parts removed. And eunuchs were mentioned, well, the king's eunuch was mentioned all throughout chapter 2 as well. But at the beginning of verse 1, it said sometime later. And this lets us know that time had passed between chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. Um, I don't know how much time had passed, but the Tony Evans Bible commentary suggested that four years had passed. But another... Um, resource I found said seven years had passed so I'm gonna research that more I don't know how long like the time period was between chapter one and the beginning of chapter two but I'll look for it <clears throat> in these verses it also said the king remembered Vashti so at this point nothing could have been done to help Queen Vashti because she was already banished and the laws of the kingdom couldn't be altered 
So the king's personal attendant suggested something. He suggested that a new queen should be found. And that basically a kingdom-wide beauty contest should be done where every beautiful young virgin in the kingdom should be gathered to the harem. Like I said, the harem, a group of women focused on one man. And then after all the women were gathered, the king would then pick his favorite to be queen instead of Ashti. Um, this was all suggested by the king's attendant and the text said the suggestion pleased the king. So everything up to this point seems to have nothing to do with... Um, God's people. So far, a very arrogant king threw a six-month party, got drunk, had marriage issues, and sent people to find him a new wife. And I'm going to be, throughout this entire episode, I'm going to be mentioning um, Dr. Tony Evans and his commentary and another lady named Kay Arthur and videos from her that I watched. But um, Dr. Tony Evans said this, all of these events started a chain reaction that would later lead to the potential destruction of God's people, followed by an amazing deliverance through God's providence. I'll say it again. All of these events started a chain reaction that would later lead to the potential destruction of God's people, followed by an amazing deliverance through God's providence. So providence is the amazing way that God will weave events together behind the scenes so that his sovereignty over the world is carried out. So even though the book of Esther never mentions God by name, his providence in Esther's life and on behalf of his people just becomes so obvious while we go through this chapter and while we go throughout this, um, the rest of the book. But let's move on to chapter, I mean, verses five through seven. At the beginning of verses 5 through 7, it says, In the fortress of Susa, um, let us just know that in the fortress of Susa, that's basically where the king's throne was. I think I mentioned that last episode. But this is where a new um, person is introduced. In this chapter, Mordecai and Esther are introduced. But um, in Susa, there was a Jewish man named Mordecai. Um, Mordecai had been taken into exile with other Jews by King Nebuchadnezzar. He was basically deported from his home and taken to um, Babylon. So he was also the cousin and the legal guardian of Esther, whose name is whose name is Hadassah, but in English it's Esther. Um, something that I saw that was really cool throughout chapter two is that even though Esther's mother and father both died, there <clears throat> there was no like bitterness or resentment built up inside of her she didn't have bitterness towards people or resentment towards people built up inside of her so that was just that was something cool um also verses five through seven lets us know that esther wasn't like a regular woman from this time she was said to have had a beautiful figure and was extremely good looking um something cool also is that Esther and Mordecai only entered this picture of events because of Esther's beauty. And Esther's beauty had nothing to do with either of them. It was out of their control. God was in control of Esther's beauty, which is why Esther and Mordecai were given such important roles because God was in control of all of it behind the scenes. Now let's go to verses 8 through 11. So 8 through 11, when the king's Um, edict was made known a lot of young women were taken to the king's palace including esther 
Um, the man who supervised this beauty contest was a eunuch. His name was Haggai. And he really liked Esther. So Esther received a spa package unlike any other woman there. Um, the text specifically said that she gained Haggai's favor. Um, now, I was watching a few videos by Kay Arthur. I mentioned her. Or Kay Arthur. I don't know. I mentioned her earlier. And she said this in one of her um, videos. What did Esther do to gain Haggai's favor? What was it about this girl that made Haggai like her so much? She said there was something special about her. There was something about Esther that wasn't only beautiful on the outside, but also on the inside. So that's what Kay said. And I, I definitely agree with it. Because I'm like, what did Esther do to get people to like her so much? Like... Yeah, she was described as being absolutely gorgeous, but there is something about her on the inside that was just as gorgeous, you know? The text also lets us know that Esther never told anyone her ethnicity because Mordecai, her cousin, her guardian, who was placed there by God, told her not to. So that shows us that she was extremely obe obedient. So when Mordecai told Esther not to reveal her ethnicity, I was confused at first. I was like, why doesn't Mordecai want anyone to know that she's a Jew? And I don't know if this is like exactly correct, but this is just my assumption. Maybe Mordecai thought that she wouldn't become queen because of the existing attitudes against Jewish people. Maybe she wouldn't have become queen because there was some prejudice against Jewish people at this time. And we'll see that later in the book of Esther. But it makes sense. Like revealing her ethnicity might have altered her becoming queen or the treatment she received. Something like that. Now let's go to verses 12 through 13. Um, the text tells us that each woman got a turn to see the king. And I, pers I personally don't think this was a thing where they said hi and bye but rather each woman was able to sleep with the king for a night. Now, this wasn't stated in the text, but it's just my assumption because, yeah, you'll see why later. But the text also lets us know that six months before this night, each woman received one round of beauty treatments. And during another six months, they received a second round of beauty treatments. So this meant that these women prepared to see the king for one whole year. So... In verses 14, I'm just going to go straight into that. In verse 14, it said that each woman would go in the evening and in the morning and in the morning, they would return to a different harem. And they only saw the king again if he requested to see her again by name. And that's why I don't believe this was some high and by type of stuff, because why would these women get ready for a whole year to spend a night with the king and just have like a little mini cordial conversation i'm like something else must have been going on but like i said that's just my assumption that's not in the text so yeah you can research that for yourself now um while i was preparing for this podcast i saw that some people um were saying i thought god doesn't want um christians to sleep together until they're married um and it's obvious later in the book that esther is a Christian. She is a follower of God. And so, yes, it's true. God doesn't want two people to sleep together until they're married. And I'm like, huh, that's a good question. Why would God allow this type of stuff to happen? And so, again, I looked um, at what Dr. Tony Evans said, and he said this. 
But sometimes God will allow things to happen in which he doesn't approve so that his greater purpose can be accomplished. This could even also explain why God kept his name from being mentioned in this book. I'll read it again. But sometimes God will allow things to happen in which he doesn't improve so that his greater purpose can be accomplished. This could even explain why God kept his name from being mentioned in this book. That's from Dr. Tony Evans. Now let's go on to verse 15. Let me flip the page. Okay, so in verse 15, Esther, it was talking about how Esther found favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her. There was something about her that just brings favor. Um, again, uh, I was listening to a K-author video and she was just mentioning some stuff. Some of the stuff she was mentioning was this. Um, Esther gaining favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her proves that God was again at the work behind the scenes. Every woman brought to the palace... Um, was also allowed to take whatever she wanted with her when she saw the king. But Esther chose to listen to what the king's eunuch suggested. So in other words, she turned down an opportunity to bring material things to impress the king. Every other woman was able to bring whatever they wanted um, when they went to see the king. Esther turned down the opportunity. Um, so there was definitely something different about her. And as a result, she set herself apart from all the other women. And the king took notice of this. So like I said, she turned on an opportunity to bring material things to impress the king. And that was different about her. That made her stand out. And the king took notice of this. So now let's jump to verses 16 through 18. And we're going to um, be done soon. Just have a couple more verses. 16 through 18, um, the text said that the king loved Esther more than all the other women women she won more favor and approval from him than did any of the other versions so even though a lot of things going on in the book of esther were a little inconsistent with the character of god the jews were still his covenant people which meant that he promised to cover and protect him so i personally believe that is why esther won more favor and approval than any of the other women and why the kings crowned her the new queen Verses 19 through 22. So now we're going back to Mordecai. Remember Mordecai, he is um, the cousin and the legal guardian of Esther. So um, in verse 19, it tells us that Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. And at first I was like, why Why is Mordecai sitting at the king's gate? Just, just regular people don't sit at the king's gate. Um, so this lets us know that he was he worked for the king in some capacity. Because if Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, he had to have worked for the king in some capacity just because just not any regular person is going to go and sit at the king's gate and just sit there all day. And then when we go to verse 20, we, um, we see that even when Esther was queen, she still obeyed Mordecai. Verse 20 said this, um, Esther had not revealed her family background or her ethnicity as Mordecai had directed her. She obeyed Mordecai's orders as she always had while he raised her. So even when she was queen, she still respected Mordecai and she still obeyed Mordecai because he was her legal guardian, like a father figure for her. So that was also something special about her. Even when she had all this power, even when she was in control of so much, she still obeyed the one who raised her. She still obeyed her father figure. 
Okay, now we're going to go down to verse 21. While Mordecai was sitting at the gate, he overheard two of the king's eunuchs. Their names were Bigthan and Teresh. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, he overheard them planning to assassinate the king. So for some reason, they were infuriated with the king or with somebody, and they were planning to assassinate the king. So Mordecai went and told Esther what was going on and Esther went and told the king on Mordecai's behalf um so in this instance in this instance Esther gave Mordecai credit because he's the one who caught these guys trying to plan to assassinate the king now we're going to go to verse 23 so after everything was investigated after this failed assassination was investigated and verified the two eunuchs were executed they were um the text says they were hung um so it also says Mordecai's name went on record and the it went on record in the historical record book or something like that. And so this is very important for later. The text says this event was recorded in the historical record in the king's presence. This is very important for later. Um, in the future chapter we get to see how God worked behind the scenes using this situation. And it was it just blew my mind. So I can't wait till we get there. Um God was the one at work in the situation. He was the only reason the king's life was prolonged and not cut short. And God is also the only reason um, that the story of his people, the Jews, um, moved forward. So that's the um, last verse in chapter 2. But just to wrap up, um, again, like I said, I was watching a few videos um, from Kate Author. And um, she mentioned this word. Elroy. Elroy means the God who sees. And this is what she said. She said, God sees everything. God was at the banquet. God was there when women were brought to the palace. God was there when the king found favor with Esther. God was there when the guards were planning to kill the king. God was there when Mordecai saved the king's life. And she also said, we, as people, we do things to be seen, but God sees what's done in secret, even in your heart. And even when you pray or fast or give in secret, God knows and God rewards. So God, he sees everything and he knows everything. That's why she mentioned the word Elroy, the God who sees. So my encouragement for y'all today before we close up. Even though God may not always seem present all the time. This is like the whole, this is the main thing I got from uh, Esther. And I'm going to keep mentioning it. Even though God may not always seem present all the time. Even though he may seem far away. He is still at work. Trust me. There are times for me that I feel like God is is just far. I feel like I, I, I feel like we're just... Our communication isn't where it needs to be. So even when I feel like that, even when you, even when we feel like that, we need to remember that God is still at work. Trust God wherever you're at in life because he's doing something bigger than our human brains can even imagine or understand. God is at work and we can't even begin to understand or imagine what he's doing behind the scenes because it's just so magnificent and it's so amazing. So trust, trust, trust God.
Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for today. Um, Thank you for everything. Thank you for allowing myself and the listener and just my family to get to the end of 2020. A lot has happened this year. Um, For everyone I know, for my family and for myself, we lost two people this year, but we gained two new amazing babies this year also. So Lord, thank you for that. Even though we lost loved ones, we gained two new beautiful, precious souls. Um, Thank you for allowing me to learn more about myself in 2020. Thank you for allowing me to learn more about you in 2020. Thank you for allowing this podcast to be just made and just grow in 2020. So much bad has happened this year, but so much good has happened also. So Lord, while we reflect on 2020 these last few days please let us again just look to see where your hand was in the book of esther you worked behind the scenes and your name wasn't mentioned but it was obvious you were there so lord while we come to the end of 2020 please allow us to take a look at our lives and let let us just reflect and see where you were working please let us work please let us see how you were working behind the scenes in our life because it's so easy to just complain and just say oh 2020 was crap 2020 was terrible but lord please allow us to just look and see everything you've done for us in 2020 please allow us to see how amazing you've been to us in 2020 please allow us to remember that you allowed us to stay alive in 2020 Lord, thank you so much for everything you have done. There will never, ever, ever be enough time or words for me to say thank you. Or for me to express how thankful and grateful I am, Lord. Lord, I love you so much. And I thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you for letting your son die for me. I'm so not worthy. The listener is not worthy. No one is worthy. But Lord, you sent your son anyway, and I say thank you for that. Thank you for everything, Lord, and please allow us to stay more curious. Please allow us to want to learn more about you this upcoming year and just today. And please allow us to want to grow our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.